You're listening to episode 33 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. If I asked you to visualize a thrift store, what's the first thing that would come to mind? Now, if you're like me, you probably envision a musty store that's overflowing with grandma and grandpa's mothball-smelling hand-me-downs. My guest today is here to shatter those preconceptions. She was recently featured in a full-page article in the New York Times that detailed her journey to furnish her first New York City apartment entirely through thrifting. Her name is Amanda Lindner, and today you will hear her mention that thrifting has really come into the 21st century. Thrifting is not about grandma and grandpa's old hand-me-downs any longer. Thrifting is about utilizing the internet to your advantage so that you can save money and keep perfectly good items out of the landfill. Today, Amanda offers her best thrifting tips. You will definitely want to check out her New York Times feature. I have it in today's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 033, M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 033. Now the interview is a good one, so let's get right into it. Enjoy. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on tonight. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Why don't we start by you just telling us about yourself? Sure. So my name's Amanda Lindner. I am a vegan and zero waste uh, advocate here in New York City. And I just moved to my first solo apartment in Brooklyn. And uh, the fun thing is I did it all zero waste. And I am the director of communications for a Jewish social justice organization called Avoda. And this whole uh, zero waste journey has been just uh, an amazing experience for me. And um, and I've been really excited to take people along with me um, as uh, as I blog about it on social media as the environment. As I read the Times article, I learned that you furnished your apartment through thrifting. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Thrifting everything, totally secondhand. Um, I uh, shopped in uh, real like physical thrift stores as well as secondhand online shops like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. I used uh, different Facebook groups like buy nothing groups and uh, even sidewalk sales and things like that. Nothing made new. Everything has a, a second life in my apartment. That's amazing. And before we even get into the nuts and bolts of how that could possibly occur, furnishing an entire apartment secondhand, I guess I am curious, what does it take internally to commit to secondhand purchases? So it takes an open mind, for sure. Because you have to understand going into it that 
you may not find an exact item or an ex- or an item in an exact color or particular style that you are looking for. So keeping an open mind is really important. And also um, you have to really know what is a want versus what is a need. When you're kind of approaching this lifestyle, it really makes you think about what is something that you actually really need and what is something that is just an impulse buy or something that you uh, that you would otherwise have just because you liked it in the store and then you bring it home and you actually never take it out of the closet or the bag. So it's it really just takes like personal mindfulness about what it is that you want to have and want to use in your home. Uh, and that's where you start. And then you start your search. And it is like a game of hide and go seek. And um, it, it, takes, it takes patience because it takes a little bit more time to find the items that you're really looking for or that you really love and um, and want to have than it probably would just walking into a store or opening up a catalog and picking out something in the exact color and style and uh, and having it shipped right to you. So so having an open mind and having patience, I would say, are the internal tools <laughs> that you need to, to kind of embark on this journey. <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you for the, I think they were horns outside your window. I love them. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. I guess I would, I'm sure you're going to give lots of thrifting tips a little bit later, but just to back it up a moment, what got you interested in the zero waste movement? Yeah. So I, full disclosure, I had been stalking the zero waste movement on social media for quite a bit. (laughs) I was really inspired and intrigued by the entire concept of not creating any or being very close to not creating any trash. And at the same time, I was taking part in this professional development program, the Abadah Justice Fellowship at my work, in which each participant takes on some kind of social justice project. And I had been following this trend on social media, and I decided that I really wanted to tackle environmental justice. And that's because I really feel that while there are so many issues in the world that I deeply care about, it would be really hard to stand for any of them if there is no planet to stand on. And when it comes to social justice issues in the world, I feel like it can be really overwhelming just as one human being to try and make an impact on any of them. But in learning more about the zero waste movement, I started to realize that this was something that I could do each day multiple times a day to make a difference. And for me, that felt really personally empowering and made me feel that as one individual, I could have a greater impact on the world. So it it inspired me. And, and that's how I got started in this whole journey. What you are saying is something I hear 
throughout all these interviews that I do with uh, zero waste advocates, which is that being part of a movement such as the zero waste movement really is empowering. And I hear the word empowering over and over again. As the host of this podcast, I often critique myself by saying that I'm preaching to the choir and that the people I'm speaking to are already interested in what I'm talking about, right? Like I'm not necessarily, hopefully I am, but maybe I'm not reaching anybody new. So totally putting you on the spot. How is being part of Zero Waste Movement and just environmentalism in general, how is that empowering? So I feel like for me, I had never really thought about these issues on a personal level before. I had always thought of myself as an eco-conscious person, but I wasn't really taking a look at my own personal responsibility in necessarily taking care of our earth on a deep level. You know, I mean, like there were things I was doing, like turning off the lights when you're not using them or like not letting the water run when you brush your teeth. And I had even I had even gone vegan. I've been vegan for five years, which is one of the biggest things you can do in the environmental movement. But at the same time, you know, I was seeing what was happening with like the Keystone Pipeline. And I was seeing what was happening with communities all over our country and communities all over the world just being overrun by our own mistakes, by our own damage, by by human contribution. You know, I, I, I lived on Long Island for a number of years um, uh, and um, I saw, you know, Hurricane Sandy wipe out people's entire homes. Um, We're seeing wildfires in California. And I was thinking about these issues. And, you know, like, it's one thing for me to stand up and like, protest a pipeline. But then if I'm going out and buying a water bottle, using the same materials, the same, the same oil that creates that plastic, um, and I'm subsidizing those industries, then I'm really actually a big part of the problem. And I didn't want to be a part of the problem anymore. I really just wanted to be able to say, no, I'm not going to support that. I have the power, the personal power to say, I'm not going to support industries that are harming people, that are harming our planet, and that are harming every being that we share this earth with. And just to be able to say no to that, that makes me feel strong and makes me feel empowered. And I, I think that that's where the, the personal resolve comes from for me in this movement. It's, more, it's about intentional living and intentional support with your dollars wherever they may go. Yeah. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, you know, we have a vote with every dollar that we cast. We, you know, we live in a commerce-driven society and the markets respond to consumer demand. So if we're demanding that our products are sustainable and long-lasting and cause little to no harm to our planet, then the market will follow us instead of us following the market. Exactly. A big part of your eco-friendly lifestyle must be thrifting. And in the New York Times piece that awesomely featured you, it was so great. It mentioned that you have molded yourself into a, quote, expert thrifter. 
What tips have you learned along the way that you could share for anybody interested in thrifting? And now I will I will preface this question by saying I have never ever thrifted. So you're really <laughs> sha- you're really sharing your tips with me. <laughs> okay. I was in the same boat as you. Truly, I was. Before this journey, I hadn't really stepped foot in a thrift store in a long time. My mom would take us when we were kids sometimes, I think, but like I hardly remember them. And my image of a thrift store was, oh God, these are like everything that like your grandparents didn't want all in one store. Like this is going to be terrible. Yes. Yes. I really had like such huge misconceptions about it. I would really say thrifting and the idea of thrifting, it has really changed. Thrifting has come into the 21st century (laughs) and um, it is a really, really cool thing. And when I think, what I think when most people think of thrifting, they think of like going to an actual thrift store and you're like, looking through all of, I don't know, somebody's grandparents' clothing. And honestly, some of my favorite things that I've bought have all been through these online apps that are all secondhand market apps. Facebook Marketplace, where I can like actually find people in my own neighborhood to buy from. Or Poshmark. I don't know if you've heard of Poshmark, and I promise they don't sponsor me in any way. I'm just completely obsessed with it. It's this It's this really cool app where you plug in the designers that you like, your size and the colors that you're looking for, and it spits back to you everyone who is selling those items. It's like walking into a thrift store where everything is in your size, everything is in your style, everything is in your color palette, and you don't actually ever have to walk into a thrift store. So like thrifting has totally entered the 21st century. It's not your grandma's clothing. Don't be afraid. It's really cool. It's really fun. When you have those things that give you like these like second hand apps, you can often speak directly with the seller. So you can say to them, hey, I'd really appreciate this if you would package this just in paper instead of any plastic materials. And because you're talking directly to the seller, directly to that person, they'll do it for you. They're responding directly to the customer rather than some giant corporation that really doesn't care about you. So that's a really unique and amazing aspect about these secondhand stores and apps online that you would never get if you were to shop at Macy's or if you were to shop at Forever 21 or H&M or any other like fast fashion store or anything like that. So that is a really amazing and awesome experience. And then I would say I have often found things in actual thrift stores too. And I would say when you're going into an actual thrift store, keep an open mind and also know what you're going in there to find. Because if you're just walking in just to walk in, you're probably going to end up just buying like random things and you're going to come home with a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of knickknacks. And you're like, I don't even know why I bought these things. I just thought they were cool. And that kind of like defeats the whole purpose of decluttering and not consuming more than you actually really need or really, really want. And if you're not, if you don't find what you're looking for the first time around, keep going back because new things are coming on and coming into these stores all the time, uh, especially as the seasons change. 
So just keep your eye out um, when you're looking for something. You know, if you have the time, stop into a store, see if it's there. It can be a really fun game of, you know, of hide and go seek uh, for all the items you're looking for. Oh, and it saves you a ton of money. It saves you so much money. That's like one of the biggest things. I don't know why I didn't say that first. It saves you so much money. Oh, my God. You can find the top brands that you're looking for for fractions of the price, fractions of the price. And oftentimes, a lot of these thrift stores, um, they work in partnership with nonprofits. So not only are you getting a great item for a really, really low price in perfectly good condition, but you're also helping out your community when you do it. And that's just the cherry on top. I love it. You just gave so much information. I don't even know where to start, but I guess we'll start at the end, which is thrifting, saving money. If you had to put a number on how much money you saved by thrifting instead of buying new, could you put a number on it? And if so, what would it be? Yeah. Um, so I've like tried to calculate it out a bit and I've read that the average person spends, and this is like on the conservative end, that the average person would spend between $1,700 and $3,000 on furnishing a new apartment. My entire apartment cost me less than $500. Wow. <laughs> Does yeah. that include fundamentals like pots and plates? That includes everything, everything. When I first moved into my apartment, I had nothing um, because this was my very first apartment of my own. I had always previously lived with multiple roommates. I had never lived with fewer than three other people. And at times I've lived with four people and even a dog and a cat. And when you live, especially in New York City, in these small apartments, um, if, if you have three other roommates and everyone brings their own pots and pans and forks and knives, you're going to completely overrun your entire kitchen. So you can't, you just can't have that much stuff. So whenever previously I've lived in an apartment, I've never actually owned any of my own things just for the space saving purposes of not doing so. So when I was moving into my own place for the very first time, I owned nothing. I owned a bed and I owned a dresser. I didn't even own a fork. I literally had nothing. So I had to find a way to find everything that I needed. When I say like my whole place cost me $500, I mean everything from the furniture to the forks. You kind of segue into a really large criticism of the environmental movement in general, which is that when we talk about your Times piece in particular, a lot of the criticisms on it were that you're thrifting because it's trendy and people have been thrifting long before it became the thing to do. What would you say to that? I mean, I have my own things that I would <laughs> I would say to that, but I'm wondering how would you respond? I would say, yes, of course, they're totally right. People have been buying things secondhand forever. I want to make it clear that there is absolutely nothing pioneering about what I'm doing. But I think 
the main thing is that the whole idea of it is something that a lot of people have forgotten about. And I think that's because fast fashion has made everything so cheap that a lot of people don't need to buy things secondhand because you can so easily find a shirt for $2 or a dress for $7. And that makes it really affordable. But the trouble with that is that Everything being made so cheaply comes at a huge environmental expense. And I don't claim to be doing anything revolutionary. I'm just trying to cause the least amount of harm possible and hopefully bringing a few people along this journey with me. I think that the zero waste movement can look really glamorous on social media or in other ways where you know, where you get images that are made to look really attractive, it can give the impression that this movement is just for people who are really privileged, or who are just trying to like, follow the next trend that's coming along. But there are so many little ways that every single one of us can make a difference. And for those people who are in situations who can't, who don't have the privileges that others do, they're the ones who are going to be most affected by the damage of the decisions that we make. And for those of us who have more ability to choose where to buy your clothes or buy your furniture, if you have the privilege to do those things secondhand, then I really just think you should. And I don't mean that in a preachy way. I just mean in a way that it's going to be better for us as individuals and better for us as communities. And we're all on this one planet together. It doesn't matter if you are poor, if you are rich, what color skin you have, what language you speak, what country you live in, what your citizen status is. Every single one of us needs this planet. So I really just would love to see all of us taking whatever steps we can to make sure that it's around for the generations that come after us. Yes. And I just want to add that a lot of the criticisms that I hear from the naysayers towards people who are actively trying to be eco-friendly is that, oh, eco-friendly is trendy. And I'm wondering, I mean, I have two young kids at home. I'm not super up to date on, you know, what's cool and what's not, but I'm pretty darn sure that heading to thrift stores, is that, is that trendy these days? Cause I'm willing to bet it's not. I don't think you're trying to follow. <laughs> follow the trendy footsteps of those before you. I don't I do not think that going to thrift stores currently is trendy. Is that accurate? You know, I wish I were cool enough to know what's trendy and like what's not. I I am not the person who knows all the the latest fashion trends. I I wish I like I wish I wish I were that cool of a person. <laughs> I'm not. But I know that when I was growing up, when I was uh, like when I was a teenager, when you've got like your paycheck at the end of the week from working, you know, your part time job, wherever that was, a lot of my friends, we all worked at the mall, like we would then use that money and go spend it back at the mall. So I, I don't 
really think that it was trendy for us. And um, when I look at who really is making it huge in social media, and when I see like really big celebrities like, uh, like Kylie Jenner, or big celebrity names, uh, a lot of them are selling all new products that have their name on it. And they're not necessarily uh, or not at all really sustainable for our earth. So if thrift shopping is a trend, like if people are like doing it, I mean, I don't know. I In my mind, it sounds really cool that people think it's cool to buy things secondhand um, because I know that wasn't the case when I was younger. And um, if, it, if it were, I probably would have caused a lot less damage than I did. <laughs> so I think maybe it would be great if it was a trend. <laughs> what is your proudest thrift store find? <gasps> oh my God. Okay. So this... All right. It's a little bit the opposite of what my mantra usually is going into a thrift store. Like normally when I go into a thrift store, I'm like, only buy what you need. But I walked into a thrift store a couple of weeks ago and I saw this 1940s teal vintage suitcase. I don't know why, but I had to have this 1940s vintage suitcase. It was just calling to me. It was an impulse buy, which I don't recommend, but I bought the suitcase. And when I brought it home, I wasn't sure what exactly I wanted to do with it. I knew I wanted to use it to decorate my apartment in some way, but I just wasn't sure how to go about doing it. I knew I couldn't use it as a real suitcase because Number one, there was no way it was going to hold a hairdryer. And number two, there was no wheels on it. So like, clearly this thing was not going to be used as a real suitcase. But it was just so beautiful and like so beautifully made that I wanted to show it off. So I uh, went on Pinterest and I started and I just like looked up what people were doing with vintage suitcases. And I saw that some people were using it as a shelf. I bought this suitcase I took it to my local hardware store. Um, I had them cut off the bottom of it. And I turned this suitcase with a couple of brackets into a little shelf above a secondhand bar cart that I got to hold all of my vegan cookbooks. And now I have this really lovely, very cool vintage suitcase as uh, as my cookbook shelf in my in my little like eating area of my apartment. And every time people come over, they're like, wow, that is such a cool thing. That is such a cool idea. And um, it just brings me a lot of joy to have taken an item that otherwise would end up in a landfill somewhere and turn it into something completely different and give it a whole new different life. That has been like one of the most exciting and I don't know, just, um, just like it brings me joy every time I look at it. And um, that's one of the things that I really love about my apartment is that there are so many items in there that bring me joy because I really thought about them deeply and it took a good amount of effort to actually get them. I didn't just walk into a store, pick something out and then like discard it because, you know, I didn't really love it or I didn't really need it. Like everything in my apartment, I really loved and like took a lot of time to find 
find and and to and to get and and I've met people along the way, so every item is attached to another person. Um, and I just wonder where this where this suitcase has been, um, where it's traveled, and now it it'll have um, its own story in my apartment. That journey of your suitcase reminds me of HGTV's flea market flip. <laughs> if you've seen it, that's so funny. I, I, I just wonder whether you have any parting words for listeners who just are under the assumption, thanks to commercialism, that new is best. Shiny, new, wrapped in plastic, packed in a box. That is what we have been taught to believe is nice, right? What would you say to people who may be reluctant to find their next best thing in a thrift store? I would say don't let commercialism and media tell you what you like. You know what you like. Just give it a try. Don't say no. Uh, to anything until you try it out for yourself. And you will probably be really surprised by what you find. And a lot of the things that come into thrift stores actually are new. I've found a lot of clothes and oftentimes sometimes furniture that is brand new, still with the tags on it, because a number of stores, when they, uh, like if, if something is a, a sample item or if it's something that was maybe just in the window of a shop and now they can't sell it because it's no longer in the box or maybe it was already assembled and put together. Um, so they have to sell it as is. Um, those things are brand new, which means that if if you weren't if someone didn't buy it in that thrift shop, that brand new item would go into a landfill. You know, and for for what? Because you know, it's it's going to go into a landfill and and stay there for the next four hundred years when it could be in your apartment and it could be given a home and it could make your apartment or house really feel like a home uh, rather than sitting in a dump somewhere. And I would also really say, don't think that just because you're maybe not necessarily ready to change your whole lifestyle. You're like going to give up all your trash, all your plastic at all times that you can't make small changes. Everyone can make some small changes, whether it's buying something secondhand in a thrift store or on Facebook marketplace or in, or on Craigslist or whether it's refusing a plastic bag and just bringing your own tote bag with you. We can all make really small changes and and don't be overwhelmed by preconceived notions about what this lifestyle is. Just just give it a try and find out for yourself and make your own decisions. Amanda, thank you so much for all the wisdom you've shared today. Where can listeners find more of you? They can find me uh, at uh, Environment on Instagram or on Tumblr. That's um, that's my uh, handle. You can follow me on Twitter at A.E. Lindner, A-E-L-I-N-D-N-E-R. 
I am following you everywhere as we speak. (laughs) And I just want to thank you again for all you're doing for the cause. And thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have gotten the chance to talk to you. And, um, and this has just been a lot of fun. There you have it. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Amanda Lindner. Be sure to check out her Times feature as well as her social media links in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 033. On next week's episode... We're talking about what happens when minimalists splurge. It happens and it is okay. I'm also offering my best minimizing and decluttering techniques. They actually worked for me when I was starting out and I'm thrilled to offer them to you next week. I will see you then. Take care. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.